anyway, uh, who wants can introduce what? I am comfortable with I'm, both or neither. I'm talking about my daughter Mau Mau in the Apothecary Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> everybody we are back with two more series this week um the first oh well first helen and Corey are with me today as always hello hello wouldn't want you all to think this is a one person show um it could be (laughs) but i don't think it would be as fun um but we're back with our first series uh this week this week we're going to dive into an omnibus so we have a big one today um the whole of humanity has gone yuri except for me by hiroke haruse and it's a yin press um it's a yin press um larger omnibus um it's a story about uh two high school girls marika is the main character and she um She's, I wouldn't say she's obsessed with normal, but she, she very much, much expects like a normal life. She's going to graduate school. She's going to get a job. She's going to get married. Everything's going to be normal. That's what she wants for herself is to have a normal life. Um, so she's surprised when she's on her way to school one day and she sees two of her friends like holding hands like they're dating. And then she realizes that a, a lot of the women around her are dating or together or they're doing things together and there doesn't seem to be any men anymore and she suddenly realizes that she's woken up in a world where all of the men are gone and so women just date each other she has no idea how she got there or what happened or what's next um, and then finally, she meets someone else. I think her name is Lily, if I remember correctly. And she said, she tells Lily the story. You know, I woke up and I'm somewhere else. It's a new world. There are no men. And Lily agrees to help her if she's willing to date her. So that's where we start. We start off with this series. And like I said, it's one large omnibus, so it's done in one volume. Um, what did you all think before I say what I thought? <laughs> to be clear. Marika seems to have woken up in a parallel universe, so when Lily meets her, she's like, well, as far as I know, you look identical to the Marika who's been, you know, in the classroom next to me for years, so that makes it even more confusing. There's never really any doubt that Marika is definitely from another world. She doesn't have any moments of doubt of, like, did I dream all of this? It's just more of a matter of exploring how did this happen, and how does Marika actually feel about it, since now she's forming connections with these new people here. Like her younger brother is now her younger sister and trying to figure out you know just how do i feel about all this this is very strange <laughs> yeah there's a a big focus in the early going about how she wants to be uh normal uh i took a screenshot of it and tweeted it so uh it says live a normal life fall in love normally get married normally build a normal family and die normally that is my normal and like thick I don't think it is using normal uh, in a way that, like, being gay is not normal, but in, in the way that uh, it is maybe the expectation. Uh, I don't think it meant any harm by, by saying it this way, is what I'm trying to get at. 
Um, it kind of reminded me when the kid from the really conservative Christian family comes out, it's like uh-huh. super duper queer. <laughs> yeah. Like they've been repressing it for all those years. That's, That's kind of what, what it reminded I thought me of. The same thing. <laughs> That's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but when she finds herself in this other world with only women, um, she finds that there is a new normal now. Uh, the normal is just that women love women because there is that is the only kind of person-to-person relationship that you can't have uh, in this universe in the 1920s. Uh, it seems that all men were killed by some sort of disease um, or virus or whatever. Uh, except specifically, the live births of male infants gradually declined, so I assume that uh, maybe there is still male births and they just are not born alive. That's extremely morbid to think about. We didn't go into detail <laughs> about how uh, how men exist in this world, but like to this point, it seems that people and society in general just uh, think back in their history books, like, oh yeah, men existed at one point. Like, we go back in our history books and are like, oh yeah, the Ottoman Empire existed at one point. Like, it was a relic of history that men existed. <laughs> Uh, and I found that completely fascinating, just beyond the, um, beyond, like, the, the character. Uh, it's a, it's a legitimately cute manga about these two characters that fall in love. Yeah, I didn't know what to expect with this one. I think I thought it was just gonna be like a, what is the word I'm looking for? Like a, like a school, a school type of story, like a school romance. And there's, like, a bit of a, I don't know if I'd call it a sci-fi plot, maybe, but there's a bit of a plot of, like, what exactly happened? How did she get here? So that I, there's still the there's, so there's a bit of mystery and like where how did this happen? I thought it was just going to be like a straight romance and it's not completely that. Um, I think the only thing that I was a little disappointed by is like it never really it never really explores the other version of her. Like we just get the version of her that's that's transported to the to the other world, but we don't. I wouldn't call her the original version, but we don't we don't see two versions of her. It's just the one, and I would have liked to have known what happened to the other character or how that character adjusted to the opposite world. I don't know. We just never get any of that. I think it focuses more on the relationship between her and Lily, and I think uh, they're a cute couple. And I liked the the storyline with her sister, where her sister sort of realizes like you're not really my sister, like you're not the same. Like she's the first person to realize that something isn't right, it isn't correct. The series tries really hard not to get too heavy into the science of how does this work now, you know, how how was she able to travel against war through worlds? I kind of wish it had had a little more detail in that, mm-hmm. especially since, I don't know, there's something very strange to me, the idea that she could, you know, wake up, and unless, I mean, I, I would assume the entire time that she kind of transferred worlds while, while she slept, and that somehow this other room, bedroom just looked identical, and she didn't realize until <laughs> she was out on the street. And so there were a couple of little technical details I kind of wish had been expanded upon a little bit. In some ways, the parallel worlds thing reminded me a bit of... Um, it was a manga. I think it was adapted from a novel called Qualia the Purple. Never got licensed every year, so I never read the whole manga. But it reminded me a little bit of that, where it's got Yuri in it, but at the same time, it's not like a Yuri series only. There's definitely a lot of sci-fi in there. And, and I do wonder if this series was cut short, since it does have a beginning, middle, and end. But the pacing is just kind of shaky at times. Sometimes it feels like it should be faster. Sometimes it feels like it could be slower. So I kind of wonder if the author was struggling a little bit to find the middle ground. And then it ended. Yeah, the the ending definitely feels a little 
quicker than the rest. I think up until that point, it like focused on the relationship between them and how Mariko was feeling and do I like her? Does she like me? That kind of stuff. And then at the end, it's like a, a bit of the plot comes together, but I, I couldn't completely like follow it at the end totally. It felt a little a little bit rushed at the end. Yeah, um, I think it works really well as this uh, digesting it as a whole omnibus. Uh, it's about 400 pages, I believe. Um, but I, it could have used at least double this length, I would say. Maybe maybe just one more volume, just to mm-hmm. really delving, give it time to really delving to like Marika. Uh, yep, going into the other <laughs> world. Um, and talking with her other self, presumably talking with the family that raised her and all of these things. Um, but like since it's centralizing the the whole story on Marika and Lily, I don't I don't know if that's an extremely necessary, but like if it is so unnecessary that it did not include uh, Marika going back to the other world, then it should probably be like maybe a hundred less pages. Um, which it goes into the pacing issues that Helen was talking about. Um, just kind of felt uh especially at the end that it was the pacing was all over the place but it's not that i didn't like it it's just that i wanted more because it was going so fast yeah i think i agree with Corey that it could have there are parts of it that could have been fleshed out a little bit more and it also could have been a little bit shorter i don't think that it's like a uh, a forgettable series but there's chunks of it that I don't remember I feel like because nothing really happened or it was mostly like focused on their relationship and the back and forth of whether or not they liked each other and it would have been nice now that you brought that up to like for her to bump it to her family or other people she knows and it just didn't it didn't have time to really go into all that I think ultimately it was about their relationship I thought it would have made like a cute little anime movie but <laughs> it just uh, some of the other stuff it didn't really get into yeah I think this would work really well as an anime movie um, mm. Maybe Makoto Shinkai should get on that adaptation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's a lot you can do with the concept itself. Um, just the the base concept of like waking up and all the men are gone. I think there's a lot that you can do with that concept. I just maybe would have wanted to see um, a little bit more from this one. But yeah, I think if they split it into separate volumes, I don't think you. If it would have ended in the middle and you had a second volume to go through, I don't think it would have kept the momentum or you might have lost people that are, well, I don't know if I really care what happened. So it's good that it's all in one in one volume. Yep. But I don't know if there's a whole lot more to say about this one just because it is the one volume and it is um, it is the omnibus. You can pick it up for – in print, you can pick it up for a little over $20 and you have the whole series. And then it's available digitally as well. Did you all have any other final thoughts about this one? I thought it was an appropriate amount of gay. i mean it does have that classic fake dating trope over with a you know we're dating for camouflage yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) and everybody just goes along with that yeah Yeah. there's definitely some of that if that's if that's what you like that's definitely there and then everyone is confused like well do i really like her or do i not like her does she like that there's definitely that if you're interested in that um but yeah it's it's worth taking a look and uh i will be back with the second series Welcome back, y'all. 
And now for our ongoing series, I have accomplished one of my goals of this podcast, which is to make my friends read the things I like. And so we're <laughs> reading the manga adaptation of The Apothecary Diaries. The original light novel is by Natsu Hyoga, and this manga adaptation is by um, Neko Karage. So, well, it's it's weird. The books, it says, like, art by Neko Karage, compiled by Itsuki Nano, and I have no idea what that compiled by staff title means it's it's very confusing but um yes apparently drawn by a cat jellyfish (laughs) (laughs) anyway the first three volumes are out in english of the manga square enix is being a little slow putting it out although i will say as a heads up i've read the first three light novels and i think the fourth manga volume will probably wrap up the first light novel volume so i am Way ahead of Corey and April here, unless they also started binging the light novels. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I will try to keep everything to what we have just seen in the manga so far. And what we have seen is that um, this is a story set in a historical China-ish country. Um, and our main character is named Mao Mao. And she is not super happy of her current lot in life. She was out picking herbs you know, because she's an apothecary. And then she got kidnapped by some people who sold her into the rear palace of the Imperial Palace as a servant. And so now she's kind of stuck there working for two years. She is making wages, but she knows that if she exhibits any special talents, like the fact she can read, that's going to make people interested in her. And, pe- and if she people get interested in her, they might hire her to work longer. And some of her wages are going to the people who kidnapped her. So her response is, fuck them, I'm just going to work as a scullery maid for two years and get out of here and deny them, like, whatever cut of my money they're getting. <laughs> ha! And Mao Mao is, um... I, w- I was talking about this series of a couple of people on Twitter, and we've described Mao Mao as someone who understands social n- um, niceties, but actively decides to ignore them. But for one t- once, Mao Mao is not able to ignore things when she sees, um... Uh, two of the emperor's consorts in the palace kind of confronting each other, like accusing of each other of like poisoning their children. But Mao Mao is able to look at the situation. She's going, ah, they are both wearing that poisonous lead based face makeup. And so she tries to discreetly leave a note for each of them. You know, they wouldn't take, you know, a scullery maid seriously, but she's hopeful that would help. It does help for one of the consorts. Unfortunately, the other one doesn't cease using the makeup in time. And so her child dies. And so for the consort who does, um, she's mentioning this to the head eunuch of the rear palace. And she's like, I got this mysterious note. And so after some sleuthing, this consort, um, Gokyo, and chief eunuch, Jinji, figure out that it was Mao Mao who did this. And so they sort of want to reward her. And Gokyo doesn't actually have very many um, servants to start with. She's only got like three or four ladies in waiting. So Mao Mao is appointed there as her um, taste tester, her poison tester, essentially. So Mao Mao has somewhat moved up in the world, and everyone's feeling, you know, kind of sorry for her because this is obviously a very dangerous job. You know, people might legitimately try to poison the consort, and so Mao Mao will be the first one to discover this. With Mao Mao thinking, too bad for y'all, I've been experimenting with poisons on myself my entire life. I have a higher resistance to this than normal. (laughs) This is fine. (laughs) And so Mao Mao is now living and working as um you know a lady in waiting to this consort and mao mao is very observant and knows a lot about plants which means she's sort of accidentally able to solve a lot of mysteries and she keeps getting dragged into this this eunuch jinji he seems to be especially interested in her and she's like nope i don't care about your handsome face 
You are literally so beautiful. You could cause armies to go to war against each other, but I have no interest in you at all because you're not a plant. And I just really enjoy all these interactions between the characters. It's funny. In the third volume of the manga, and definitely in the light novels, you start to see that Jinchi isn't just like this beautiful nymph. He's also completely overworked and harassed and tired. And it feels just so vindicating to see that even he's got it, you know, harder behind the scenes. Uh, So... Obviously, I've been really enjoying this series. I've got reviews of the manga and the light novels over on the OASG that folks should check out. Um, but I'm hoping you guys also enjoyed the series. It's acceptable if you did not enjoy it nearly as much as I did, though. <laughs> I did enjoy it. It's a uh, it's one of the few books I've picked up recently in store. I knew nothing about it. I kind of picked it up, read the back, and I've had it sitting on my shelf for a few weeks. But I needed to pick it up, so I'm glad that we picked it for the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed it. I like the main character a lot. It's the not that I know anything about apothecaries, but that's sort of what appealed to me. Like, huh, that seems kind of interesting. Um, and I just like the main character and the different situations that she's been in so far in just one volume. Um, I don't know. I have to think of more to say about it besides I like it. But, but I, did, I did really enjoy it, and I didn't know that there were light novels out for it, so I'll have to check those out, too. But yeah, I think it's it's fun and I like I kind of like main characters that have something that like they're really really interested in they're really into and then when they get put into their element like they get excited and then they go on adventures and things like that I really like enjoy that I think the uh, apothecary part of it is cool yeah personality wise they aren't too similar but obsession wise she reminds me a lot of mine from uh, Ascendance of a Bookworm Mm -hmm. just very single mindedly focused on I like this one thing and I will do other things in life, but it's so I can get my books, my rare ingredients, these poisons, etc. Everyone else is very dismayed to learn that Mau Mau is interested in poisons and has experimented on herself. <laughs> There's a point where she like is doing taste testing. Um, this is in the second volume. And so she consumes some poison soup and everyone's like, are you okay? She's like, yes. Also, please give me more. No! <laughs> I like the feeling. No, Mau Mau, go to the doctor. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you even now have a hint of that in the first volume when they're talking about uh, love potions. I think it's the actual word, but I forget what it is. Um, a- aphrodisiacs, I think. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, aphrodisiac. Um, because the the guy who uh, it's been Jing-chi. like three, yes, thank you. It's been three seconds. I've already forgot everyone's name. Jingxi, he receives uh, some bow from another person, and uh, they are full of aphrodisiacs. And then um, he asks if he. If she can make even stronger ones, I guess, and she makes some chocolate ones, and then she makes some for herself, which the uh, fellow ladies in waiting eat because they think it's a snack, and they are very affected by it, whereas Mao Mao would not be at all because she is experimenting with poisons on herself for her entire life. Well, also, apparently, chocolate is just really potent if you've never had it before. Right, yeah. That was more the case there. Um but yeah, it is kind of funny that like every description of Jin C is like, he is so beautiful, even the men want him. They all know he's a eunuch, and even though they want him, and so, which is just very funny. And like some of the folks who are close to Jin C are actually interested in the fact that Mao Mao's not interested in him. They're like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> this is someone who can actually be around him and just not melt into a puddle at any given moment. Yeah, he actually, or she actually looks at him with such contempt that, like, one of his attendants is like, can you please stop doing that because he likes it and I don't want to hear about it anymore. Look, he actually likes it, which is not the effect I think you're going for here. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, uh, I don't think it comes up in these volumes, but there's e- there's even jokes later on related to the aphrodisiacs that um, Mao Mao like starts bringing in pucks to the rear palace for the other consorts on like um. So Mao Mao was raised in a brothel, so she knows a <laughs> lot about that way of the world, and so she brings in like some instructional volumes there on the <laughs> emperor's like request for the consorts. And I don't know, I just find all these moments very funny, especially since Mao Mao is. Not straight-laced or anything, but she's definitely not the kind of person you would think for was raised in a brothel. <laughs> a high-class one, too. This also comes up later on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, I really like this series, too. I, I don't know if I said that. Um, but I think it's uh, it was cute as hell. It's very intriguing in the way that um, it is building Mao Mao's character. Like, we pretty much know everything from the start, but... Uh, building in the sense that like she is slowly revealing these things to everybody else as she is forced to, like the, <laughs> some of the attendants know that she can read or at least have a impression of it because she says, oh, you should go over there with that thing because the only way you can know is that there's writing on it, um, and then everyone else <laughs> starts to find out because she wrote a little note that says stop wearing your poisoned makeup and killing your kids. Uh, That's exactly what she. Wrote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She might have actually phrased it slightly nicer than that for once in her life. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the apothecary-related stuff is um, not super obscure. Like, as soon as they started mentioning, like, a white face makeup, I was like, oh, that's definitely lead. Or there's something that comes up in another volume, and I was like, oh, they're definitely talking about colorblindness here. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if you're, um, if you're like me, and you've read a fuck ton of, like, medieval <laughs> fantasy books over the years, you're probably going to be familiar with a lot of the concepts that come up. Although I will say the setting is not nearly as ancient as you might think it is. I realized that kind of recently, especially since um, Mao Mao's um, parent uh, has helped even with things like C-sections. So, <laughs> But all that is, um, honestly, I, I put it in my first review of the first light novel, but that's one of the more interesting differences between the manga and the light novels, is that there's a couple of lines in the manga which aren't in the light novels, and it gives you a bit of a different impression on what Mao Mao's background was before she came there, hmm. which I just found kind of interesting. We, we do we, we do actually find out all about Mao Mao's background in, like, the second light novel. Um, Mao Mao is completely aware of all of this. She just does not give a fuck. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a little hard to talk around things without going into future things, although I know I was definitely suspecting things. Like, after I finished his first manga volume, I was like, Jinchi's not a eunuch, is he? This feels like the setup of a love interest. I'm going to go looking around. Uh-huh. <laughs> I was like, I don't care if you're telling me that a man can only be that beautiful if you've cut off his balls. I don't believe it. Or however you make eunuchs. I'm assuming that's how you do it. I'm not looking this up. <laughs> but yeah. Um, oh, and the manga art is super cute. Yeah, like, even is. though I enjoy the, mo- the light novels a lot, the art is just very so-so. Like, um, I even put... Th- there was like a scene I was able to make a direct comparison for... Um, in the first volume it happens in the second volume of the manga but where it's someone who's supposed to be showing off like an allergic reaction in their arm and in the light novel you just can't see anything but in the manga it's instantly clear what you should be looking at so it's unusual for me to be equally fond of an adaptation and a source material but in this case i feel like neko karage has really captured you know what i enjoy so much about the light novels and the art again it's just so fucking cute I really want this series to get animated because that is the best way for me to push my agenda on other people and get them to read things. Yeah, I feel like this would be a very fun anime, so I'm just holding out hope. You know, so many things are getting adapted these days. Why not the Apothecary Diaries? 
Yeah, and that was that was one of my first thoughts too. Is that uh, if this ever got animated, I bet it would be a pretty big hit, uh, as long as it was like animated competently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This one wouldn't even need like fancy scenes or anything. We 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 just need like baseline competence. Yeah. <laughs> like the Kageki Shoujo anime. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so Helen, for someone that has read both light novel and manga, uh, what would you suggest for someone that only wants to choose one? Uh, just go over. Just go with whichever medium you prefer. The one benefit to the manga, I'd say, is that the art is prettier. The one benefit to the light novel, I'd say, is that it's a lot farther ahead, since Square Enix is just releasing manga pretty slowly at this point, I suspect because they're newer. So even though this has, like, it might be in the double digits in Japan already, it's, like, about six months between each manga volume, so you're definitely going to get the story slower. Yeah, there are, it looks like there are eight manga volumes in Japan right now, and there are six, the three right now in English. Yeah, and I know and I know J Novel Club is doing their pre-pubs for volume four. That's how mm-hmm. I read volume three. I made some ill-advised choices on some late nights, <laughs> and then just actually no, that might have been a Sunday where I just read it all in like three straight hours on my couch. Yeah, it looks like oh, J Novel has. Was so sore. You know, it has five parts of volume four available out of 14. I don't know how they determine that. I assume chapters. Um, but that full volume Something will like be that. out January 5th, 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it looks like there is a second manga, too, uh, which is written by the original novel author and illustrated by someone else named Minoji Karaka. Uh, that one's published by Shogakukan, so I don't know if... I assume Square Enix would not get that one since they seem to be focused on Square Enix titles, but uh, maybe mm-hmm. someone else will. Yeah, I think I've heard of that one, but haven't heard anything beyond it. I'm also really hoping the light novels get a print release. It sounds like amongst my friends and I who read the series, we're expecting this one to get a print release because it's pretty fun. We think it's popular enough for it. And J Novel Club is starting to print some of their titles, like um, Tear Moon Empire, which sadly we do not have the manga for, so I cannot force you guys to read The Princess Mia Chronicles. <laughs> that will be oh, another sad. April 1st one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is the perfect sort of series for this podcast because I feel like it could be easily overlooked. It, I don't know. Just I've seen it on the shelf a few times. I've been lucky to be able to go to the bookstore a few times in the past month or so. And it just seems like something that could be easily overlooked. And I kind of picked it up on a whim. And I think this is exactly what this podcast is for, is to talk about series <laughs> that uh, people would miss. I definitely think uh, that this is one to pick up. And they come out slowly enough uh, that you would be able to catch it because I think the third one like just came out and I mm-hmm. definitely saw that yeah. Astro like last weekend so you can definitely still catch it yeah I've only got a copy because I got a review copy of it I haven't been in bookstores for so long not because of the pandemic but because they like all just keep shutting down around me because mm. landlords <laughs> Yep. totally different issue there but yeah I'm so glad that this podcast has achieved its initial purpose of getting us to read more manga, and hopefully we have some people out there who are listening and going, yeah, I'll check out this crazy girl Mao Mao, and this crazy concept of a world where there's no men, but it's not why the last man. There's there's no men. (laughs) There's not even a why. There's just none. X chromosomes only. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, uh, the first one uh, is something that I bought digitally, and X. That's going to be fine for me. I don't think I need a print version of that. But Apothecary Diaries is probably something that I'm going to seek out the print version just so yeah. I can uh, have that in my hand. Uh, throw it at Dana for have her read it, too. Oh, yeah, Dana, I think, would probably get a kick out of Mau Mau. <laughs> yeah. And it's just easier to throw books at people than it is to throw, like, a Kindle at somebody. You know, you're a little less worried if you miss. Yeah. I mean, plus it's my iPad, and she has her own Kindle, and she's like, I don't want to read things on your iPad. 
Yeah, it would be kind of weird if you picked up her candle and then threw her candle at yeah. her. <laughs> <laughs> well, with that, I think we will get going and let all of our lovely listeners... I don't even know if we have listeners. I, none of us have any idea how to read the metrics for this. <laughs> um, but, if, Corey, can you take us out, please? Uh, yes, we do have listeners. Uh, at least, I don't know, two or three. Who knows? But, uh, I, know, I know Justin did send me a screenshot the other day. He finally got to the April Fool's episode and I was laughing at my intro of, so Corey forgot we were recording a podcast and his computer's in pieces. <laughs> I forget, and it wasn't in pieces. We were moving at the time. Yes, you forgot what day it was, so you hadn't reassembled your computer. Yeah. It's all right. We got there. Uh, but yeah, well, where can we find everybody online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MondioVren. I'm still alive and still reading manga, so you can find me there. You can find me on Twitter at WanderingDreamer. You can find my reviews of uh, The Apothecary Diaries, and in the near future, though, there will be one for um, the whole of Humanity's Gone Yuri, which I keep thinking of as Humanity Has Declined, but that is a totally different <laughs> series. You I can find those that. reviews on TheOASG.com. And that's also where the other podcast I co-host lives. It's not my fault. The OASG podcast is not popular. Uh, we just did our summer season wrap-up, so you guys can hear um, Justin and I continue to squeal about Kokeki Shoujo for the second episode in a row. It's so good. It's good. Yeah. Um, you should get Justin on the show sometime, too. He, he says that you, got, you just need to come up with a title. <laughs> All right. I uh, sent him your screenshots of your conversations with me on this topic. What's the, what's the thing that he hates the most? And then let's do that. <laughs> Is that how you invite people on this podcast, Corey? No, no. We can do something that he likes. Uh, anyway, you can find me on Twitter at K. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Mugging Your Ears. You can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcast.com. That's T-A-I-I-K-U. And uh, that's the end of the episode now. Everybody say goodbye. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye.